You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast, episode number three. My name is Diogo Custodio. I'm your host. And today, our guest is Heather Mayer. She's a coach athlete. She's American. She lives in the UK. And today she's going to share with us her life story in triathlon. Heather, welcome to our podcast. Hi, Diogo. Thanks very much. Heather, my first question for you is how triathlon just showed up in your life? So I got into triathlon in my final year at uni. Um, mm-hmm. Up until then, I've got two older brothers and they played sports and they needed a goalkeeper. And their youngest sister was a really good, willing participant. So (laughs) I basically got into sports because my brothers did. Um, When I was younger, I played, oh God, I played basically any sport you can think of. That's not entirely true. I played soccer, sorry, football. Then I got into hockey, field hockey, Um, Mm -hmm. dipped my toes into ice hockey, played lacrosse. Anyway, all of those things. And then when I got to uni, just stuck to hockey and um, got towards my final year and thought, you know, I, I'd kind of like to do a sport where drinking's less central. <laughs> and it's something that I might be able to do after uni really easily. And also I was a bit, I have to admit, I was a bit sick of um, politics of team sports and mm-hmm. just dealing sort of with... Um, yeah, just I don't know, internal politics. I'm Yeah. Yeah. So so I that was in twenty twelve. The London Olympics had just happened. Um and I was kind of searching for a new sport over the summer and thought, well, I could do running, but no. <laughs> Maybe swimming could be interesting, but I don't know if I just want to swim. Like cycling sounds really cool, but you know, the cycling club at uni there didn't seem to be much of a um, community around it and especially not for girls. And mm-hmm. um, a cousin of mine had started triathlons recently. So I thought, Hey, why don't I put three sports together? Like there's a club already there. I'll show up. I'll probably go to, you know, maybe one, two sessions a week. It'll be really nice. Um, and it'll keep me fit, but you know, keep me a bit further away from the pubs for my final year. <laughs> and I showed up to the first session um Hannah Mundy who is works with TTH now yeah she was the captain of the triathlon club that year actually and um showed up to my first session was in the swimming pool and next thing I knew I was going to five six sessions a week absolutely in love with it (laughs) so two sessions to five sessions and then full-time triathlon yeah and then yeah full-time triathlon from there um so that was my final year at uni. I did my first triathlon that spring and then um, sort of tried to keep on doing it. When I went into my first job, I was in investment banking. And I think I managed to do a bit on the first year. And then that took over a bit too much until – so I took a year or two off, came back to it again, um, having signed up for a half Ironman, which I'd originally said I would never do, ever. and then I had did two halves that season um and then 
the next year, I actually I quit my job at the bank and signed up for an Ironman, which I'd also said I'd never ever do. <laughs> that was in 2017. That was in 2017, and that's when I started working with TTH. Mm-hmm. How was the the first year with TTH? Um, it was great. So I'd had a coach for a year before that, um, and she was really good for me for sort of getting back to the sport. Um, but I, I sort of knew that I had sort of specific goals for my Ironman, which I thought I could probably achieve, but, um, she and I, she wasn't as good for me in terms of being, trying to be competitive. It was more in terms of like going and doing it, which is great for starters. But, um, I'd been out to TTH in the springtime and, um, it was right after I'd, was it right after I'd quit? Um, and sort of got to know a few of you coaches and um, got on really well with Alan. And by the autumn, when I'd realized I'd wanted a sort of more serious coach with a more serious, to sort of meet more, my goals, yeah. Yeah. Um, chatted to Alan and asked if he'd coach me. And at the time you were working uh, in the bank or you were doing no, something I just different? quit my job in the bank. I was about to go into a master's program. Um, and how was the, the daily routine for you? Sorry? How was the daily routine for you? Um, I think probably if you ask Alan too, that routine is probably like the most difficult thing for me ever. <laughs> um <laughs> So that year with the masters, it was um, I was a student again. So I had a couple of classes that I had to go to and lectures to go to, but most of the time was my own, and meant that I could structure it as I um, as I needed and wanted to. Um, it was sort of perfect for doing triathlon because almost a full time job in triathlon. Yeah, a full time job with an intellectual stimulation, which was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess a bit of structure around the course because I did actually have to be somewhere every day, um, which was helpful. And um, and likewise, I think the triathlon really helped me with the course because it gives you an outlet where you're not just like reading books and thinking that your master's is the most important thing in the world. At least you've got an Ironman too, which is obviously the most important thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, if we go back in time in 2012, 2013, you started doing triathlon. Yeah. Then you signed up for a half Ironman that you did in 2015, 16? Uh, I think 16 was the first year I did one, yep. What was the, the race, by the way? The first one I did was Barcelona. Okay. Um, yeah, picked a really easy one to start. <laughs> well, Barcelona, in terms of half Ironman, is not that easy. For those who don't know, the race itself. it's very hilly, and so it wasn't yeah. actually quite easy. <laughs> exactly. It was, um, and then I did Weymouth later that year. So you did two half Ironmans in the same year. Uh huh. For someone who never who said we'll never do a half Ironman. Yep. <laughs> okay, that's good then. then you got yourself with ETH in terms of coaching. Then you signed up for an Ironman. In 2017 so was, or 18? 2018 was the Ironman year. So 2017, I was still, I had left the bank in May of 2017. And at that point was actually able to start training better. Um, mm-hmm. For me working in 
the bank was actually too much to be able to do serious training. I think I know plenty of people figure out how to do it, but it just it was too much for me. <laughs> so yeah, means you were racing the Ironman not just to finish it, but to race it properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how was that the process um, of training for the Ironman? Um, it was for me. It was I really enjoyed it. Um, I think in some ways because I was new enough to the process, I just sort of took what was there and did what I was told. And um, the sort of, I remember saying to Alan at some point that year, I ran a half marathon and had taken about, I think it was maybe 10 minutes off my PB or something. That was the same race you did. With you in Portugal. Yeah, exactly. I almost yeah. lost against you. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember just saying to him afterwards, you know, it's funny how running helps you running. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah. Um, so I think I learned that year that, you know, consistency pays off, um, that there's quite a lot of, I had faith that he knew what he was doing with me and that he was going to get me to the start line ready to go um, mm -hmm. as long as I did what there was. Um And that definitely was true for me. Um, I think I had, I remember, I think the first May bank holiday that year, I was out for a ride, um, one of the long training rides, and I hit a cavernous pothole and ended up um, on my back. Fortunately, the bike was fine. Um, <laughs> most important <laughs> I was a bit injured and I kind of remember thinking oh god what if I've done this what if I've done that you know how am I going to be able to do this race I wonder if I can transfer blah, blah 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 you know catastrophizing in my head and um about four weeks after that I went and did a half Ironman and um realized that actually I was perfectly fine I think I it was a half Ironman I tried to do the year before um but had just gone terribly wrong for me that year. And this time I ended up coming second, I think. Um, having had just a really good race where I sort of could walk in and say, I'm, I'm ready to race. Ready to I've race, got a yeah. plan and I can do it. And that was for me, the sort of process, the process of training for the Ironman kind of gave me that sort of confidence of like, here's my plan. I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. So if you could pick uh, one thing from that process, it would be that if you have a plan, if you do it, you can do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, how, how was the race for you? Sorry? How was the race for you? Um, so for the Ironman itself, uh, I loved it. It was... Um, let's see. I guess it was in Austria, so... Um, yeah, it's a beautiful place, yeah. Probably, yeah, absolutely beautiful. I sort of, again, having had that, the race, the half Ironman about four weeks before, I kind of already had this confidence of, okay, I'm actually going to be able to do this. Um, I had traveled to the US right after that race because my brother got married. So I'd had a bit of, you know, topsy-turvy training for a little bit, but mm -hmm. still knew that, There were a couple of things leading up to it that had given me enough confidence and just saying, I've got a plan and I'm going to do it. So I showed up, um, 
I was staying with a couple of other girls from my club. So my club had a very large contingent going. I think there were 18 of us racing. Oh, wow. 16 or 18. Yeah, it was a lot of us, which was great in some ways um, because it meant there were people I knew and it was sort of... You can get some distraction. Yeah. Um, On the flip side, I'm not actually very good at dealing with any other stress except my own especially in race situations so, or leading up that's a problem <laughs> yeah so it's sort of um the people I was staying with they're you know good friends and I really enjoyed being with them but on the flip side I was sort of like right I'm here to race a race I'm not here to finish this I'm here to race this um which maybe is a bit ballsy for your first Ironman but I'd had the training. <laughs> so and the confidence, you have everything with you. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um and therefore kind of everyone else's like little things kind of got to me a bit much. I was really happy because um Philip was actually there with one of his friends, not racing, watching. Or his friend mm-hmm. was racing, he was watching. Um and it was actually really great having him around because I'd go to like chat to him and he'd calm me down and just be like, what are you worried about? It's just a swim, bike, run. <laughs> it's like, okay. Exactly. It's <laughs> ride 180K and then just run a marathon. It's easy. Come on. No, no big deal. They <laughs> <laughs> have been planning for this for like one year. So what's the problem? Come on. Yeah, I think it was more that sort of just a really relaxed approach and kind of like, well, you know, we can sit here and he's obviously... It's done. just a triathlon at the end of the day. Yeah, it's just a triathlon. Um, so... So the sort of lead up to it, I had kind of my ups and downs and nerves running, but then come race morning, kind of got myself ready, went out on the course and just started going. Um, I remember the swim being absolutely beautiful and then got out of the swim, um, hop onto the bike and the bike is by Let far. the game begin. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite amazing cyclists, so yeah <laughs> yeah it's um it was it was a fun it was a really nice bike course I had a great time on it um I was I probably think I came out of the swim sort of maybe towards like I don't know it was more than mid-pack but it wasn't you know super far ahead and Mm-hmm. But on the bike, I just sort of started going, pedaling along and um, playing Pac-Man, basically. <laughs> Eating people really up as I went along. The guys <laughs> and the girls in the back. Um, so, yeah, I just had a really great, great ride. Um, and the thing that Alan and I had talked a lot about was basically the main, the main point of the day was to get to 10K to go and still have legs. And I mean mm-hmm. 10K to go in the run. Um, and sitting there at the beginning, knowing that was really important for me because I love cycling (laughs) and I could have cycled a lot faster, but I wouldn't have been able to run. So kind of having that goal in my head of get to 10 K to go with legs meant that I could control myself on the bike and actually really just enjoyed the ride, which is a bit odd to say for 180 K in time trial position. <laughs> yeah, especially in, in Austria, which is not flat at all. Yeah, but we had you know very specific power targets and mm-hmm. um, how to climb the hills and stuff. And I actually sort of didn't notice the hills in a way, um, just because it was like I'm looking at numbers. I'm not really concerned about 
who cares if these guys come flying past me on the hill? I'll take them on the downhill. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> and to be fair, I'm not even competing against them. They're not in my division in any way. So yeah. go away. <laughs> you don't care about them anymore. Just on the training camps. That's it. Exactly. Um, and then got off the bike, started running. Uh, it was the run was um, definitely tough. It's has always been the weakest of my three disciplines, and um, I'd run one marathon before, but um, I kind of knew that that was going to be the hard point. What was great was that because we had so many people from my club on the course, we also had so many people cheering on on the course. <laughs> so it was really cool to come off the bike. Um, and start running and actually see people I knew all over the place. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, I think I, what I remember is it's a, it's a two lap course. Is that right? And you go uh, out yeah. one way yeah. and back and then out another way and back. And the first lap, you're sort of doing, you know, the first few K you have to just calm yourself down. The first lap was, um, it was all right. And you feel the legs again. Yeah, you try to feel the legs again. You try to remember that you've got a marathon to go, so don't go for a 5K PB right now. <laughs> not yet, not yet, just for the last 5K, come That's on. for the last 5K, right. Um, and I got out, I did. I actually got out to the first end of the course and I had some friends out there and I remember saying to them, can you all stay here? Because I know next time I'm here, I'm going to be in pain. <laughs> and I want to see you. <laughs> I want some, some joy. yeah um and that was about right I think you know half marathon was sort of still okay and then you come back through the center and it's like oh my god I've got to go do that whole thing again um and it was getting hot and yeah it's just you know it's it's tough but I think by the time I got to about about 10k to go I still did have legs which was great um, so you went to the plan. That's good. I, yeah, everything just sort of worked with the plan. I'd been eating along the way, drinking along the way enough. Um, and I also had a wonderful advantage of Philip showing up at various points saying, you know, offering encouragement. Um, and he'd helpfully asked the night before, what do you want to know on the course? <laughs> and I'd say that if you've got spectators around, that's a really good thing to tell them what you want to know when you're out there. So I told him, you know, Alan and I have discussed this. The plan is 10K to go. I can go if I can still go. But until then, I don't care where anyone is. I don't want to know. I don't need you telling me to run faster because I won't be running faster. (laughs) Um, So he stuck to that, which was great. And from there, he tried tried to offer words of encouragement to get me to go a bit faster. But at that point, the legs were um, not going to do it. So sort of got myself to the end and uh it was a great feeling to cross the line um and it has a very nice finish line yeah it was it was wonderful and I'd also achieved a goal of going under four hours in the marathon I think by about 20 seconds or something (laughs) four hours doesn't matter but I was you know it was under four hours and I remember crossing the line um looked back you know you check your time just to see and then um sat down and this woman comes over and I was clearly just exhausted and overcome with emotion. And she comes over and she goes, now, what would you like? And I, we can give you Coke or beer. I was like, can I have both please? <laughs> <laughs> I had the exact same thing when I did Austria. I just sat down getting yeah. a, a 
oxygen in my brain. Yeah. And the volunteer was asking me, what do you, do, are you okay? Do you need something? Can I have a beer, please? And she was <laughs> yeah. like, alcohol-free or with alcohol? Alcohol. Alcohol-free <laughs> for now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst because, you know, the people on the side, the spectators are sat there, some of them with beer, and you're like, I just want that right now, but I can't. <laughs> exactly. Well, you can, but you shouldn't. That's a problem. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Alcohol has an amazing environment and the atmosphere. Um, I know that they changed the bike course now, so I have no idea uh, if it's too different from the previous one, the one that we did. Yeah, because they changed it the year after. Yeah. So. And what was your final time in Austria? 10.19 something. Oh, wow, that's a very good result. Yeah, it was my my goal when I sort of signed up and was thinking about it was sub 11. Um, and... I actually remember too having a conversation with someone in my club in the pub after training one night and I said yeah well I'm hoping maybe sub 11 and he kind of looks at me and goes do your first Ironman I said yeah and he said you might want to just think about finishing I was like yeah I'm nope. <laughs> but that's not my goal <laughs> but, but I'm gonna say sub 11 and then obviously I, I mean I knew I knew when I flew to Austria that I think Alan and I had looked at it and Alan had sort of gone through all the data and done his best bike splits and looked at what made sense for running the marathon and everything else and said probably 1030 is a good, good estimate. Um, and then I think, I think I beat best bike splits by 10 minutes and that's where the 10 wow. came off. So. <laughs> then, um, then you, sorry. Then you came back to the UK and something happened to you after the Ironman. Yeah, so it actually took a bit. Well, first I had to hand in a uh, dissertation, which I'd been ignoring. I came back and I think the weekend after I went um, with some friends on a trip to Istanbul. And I, they love walking and we walked around a lot. Um, and I was wearing shoes that weren't exactly great for my feet. And my body was clearly still very tired from the Ironman. Um, and the next thing I knew, I had some plantar fasciitis. Oh, wow. So that's not what you're expecting me to say, I know. But that was the first step of kind of, right, haven't really Somebody recovered properly. Um, and then Alan and I had to work through that. I had sort of come out of Austria sitting there thinking, great, I'd love to do this again. I'd love to make get a faster run. That's, you know, my bike was great. Swim was perfectly fine. The run was the area we needed that I needed to work on if I wanted to do much more. Um, so get this foot injury and it's like, oh God, can't do that. Okay, so backtrack, try to think through just sensible training, getting it back to a position where it can do some work. Um, and I did have one race left in the season, which was the uh, 70.3 champs in South Africa that year. Uh, and we'd sort of gotten it to the point right before, about a week before going, where we thought, I'll be able to run at least. Like, it won't be great, but this was never the goal of the season. I'm just going down for the experience anyway. Fine. Um, and... So we took off. My mom came with me. Um, actually had to miss my first flight because of a, a passport issue. So 
the whole thing turned into like from this really cool like oh I'm going to South Africa I'd never been to uh, race world champs yeah yeah I'd never been to the world champs I'd never also been to South Africa I was really excited about that um and it became much more of a pavava than I'd hoped I was finally got there everything was fine um and thought to myself, well, you know, all these other disasters that happened, I think my bags got lost on the way and some other stuff too. So, so universe was giving you a lot of signs, just like, the universe is giving me a lot of signs. And I thought, you know, whatever, the easiest part of this trip is going to be this race. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> um, rocked up in the morning, got in, did a swim, the swim, my swim was terrible for some reason. And then... I was a bit annoyed about it. I knew my run wasn't going to be good anyway. So sort of was just like, I'm going to go have a really good time on this bike course. <laughs> and I did. Um, <laughs> I think, That's the problem? <laughs> well, it probably wasn't the, the problem, but it surely wasn't actually a good thing in the end. Maybe not. I guess it was the best part of the day. I, you know, came off the bike and like, first or second in my age group or something so you know why not and then, yeah. and then I started running well, and um I kind of knew something was wrong from the first step I think but it was like oh you know it always feels funny off the bike something's gonna hurt something's not gonna be right it's fine so I sort of took take off and um my mom was down at one at the far end of the course the near end of the course Philip was there again because Emma was racing um, mm-hmm. that year as well. <laughs> and so I come off the bike and I smile and wave at Philip and start running down to the first end. And I come back round and I, like by the time I came back past Philip, which I think was 5K in, I knew that it was definitely not a normal hurt. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really know what it was. And it was in my foot and it sort of thought, oh, maybe it's just foot cramp. So I paused for a minute tried to sort of stretch it out or something on the side and then tried to start running again, at which point I realized I can't run. <laughs> wow. Um, that That's when you know that things are not well for you. Yeah. And it was sort of one of these things of like, you know, I could, there's a difference between um, the sort of really tired type of hurt and the something's genuinely wrong type of hurt. and. Mm-hmm. Um, the really tired type of hurt, I could at least shuffle through. You can do something. You can get yourself to the end. With this, it was a genuinely limping along. Um, and I kind of, I, I knew in my head I probably should have quit. But for some stupid reason, I didn't. <laughs> so I got down to where my mom was. <laughs> I was completely in tears by this point. And in some ways, the worst part of the world champs is that there are people everywhere. And they're all telling you, you can do it. And there's a big, like, it's sort of wanting to turn around to them and say, yeah, but I can't. (laughs) Well, I shouldn't. The thing is, you can do it, but you shouldn't do it. That's the problem. Anyway, I um, ended up hobbling the rest of the course. So I did a 5K run and a 16K limp and (laughs) crossed the line to get this stupid big medal. And immediately upon crossing the line, um, Philip and my mom were both there. And Philip, having seen, I think, I think I remember him saying afterwards that he could tell actually the first time I passed him that something was wrong, and the second time he definitely knew. And then after that, 
anyway. Um, so he was like, right, you're going to the first aid tent. You've probably got a stress fracture. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was a definite setback and definite, definite disappointment. Um, I cried quite a lot after that, admittedly. I think it was less the pain and more just the, I don't know, I'd quite hoped that at least you'd be able to finish the race well. Um, it wasn't going to ever be a perfect race, and I knew that, but you'd hope that it would be sort of what you expect at least, and it just hadn't been. And knowing that now, knowing that we cannot go back to the past and change things, if you could go back, what would you change in all that process? Um, something that I'm really bad at still, uh, but resting, I think. Mm -hmm. The main thing was that after Austria, I underestimated the toll that it took on my body. And um, and I sort of just kept going on, even though there were definitely times where I shouldn't have. I think even, even thinking about when I was getting the plantar fasciitis, I, I'd had that before and I knew it was coming on. And rather than sort of listen and stop, before it really hit, I just kept going. Um, that was, that's probably like the idea of having rest and making sure to take rest is probably the biggest takeaway from that. Um, mm -hmm. Although I'm still not great at it. I'm at least more <laughs> aware. <laughs> um, the other thing that I'll say is I think one of the wonderful things for me about Austria was that the expectations I had for myself were completely mine. Um, no one around me really knew what I'd been doing, except, except Alan. Um, mm -hmm. No one around sort of knew what I was going for or what I'd been doing. Or I think, you know, in my club, no one particularly expected me to do particularly well. It was sort of a like, oh, yeah, Heather, she'll, go, she'll just go do it along with everyone else. Finish, yeah, she's going to finish the race. Yeah. yeah. Um, and therefore, the only pressure on me was from me. Mm -hmm. um, having done Austria and having, because there were so many people in the club doing it, a lot of people in the club were also watching from home as well as there. Um, there was suddenly actually more, it felt like more pressure on me at Worlds because people would, you know, had sent messages the night before and like one of them said, oh, we're taking bets between you and this other girl of who's going to win. And it was like, sorry, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, that drove me, um, in some ways, it was probably part of why I walked the 15K when I should have just stopped. Um, but it also took away a lot of my ability to enjoy the race because I, I suddenly felt like I was supposed to do something rather than I could do something. If that makes sense. Yeah. It was yeah. coming from the outside rather than, than the inside. Um, Trying to reach the other's expectations instead of yours. Yeah. And that's something that I, I think I actually did learn then. And at least in sport, I'm, working really hard to kind of maintain looking at my expectations rather than anyone else's, mm -hmm. um, which has led to a number of decisions after that, which 
I'm really glad to have taken, but um, have definitely changed the way that I look at sport and also just what I'm doing. The thing is, after that, you had like, what, six months trying to recover from that injury? Yeah, I think. So there was three months there when it was a sort of normal recovery process. Um, mm -hmm. I then started a new job as well. So this was January 2019 is probably when I could have started learning, kind of relearning to run and reworking through that. Um, but I had also just started working at a school, um, jumping into teaching, <laughs> second career. Uh, and I jumped into the, a job in the middle of the year and it was, I was in way over my head. Um, I know you saw me that April and yeah. by the time I got to that April, I was already pretty burnt out and definitely, yeah, life was taking its toll on me, which meant that training had been put to the side. Um, I also, having chatted to Alan at the beginning of that year, kind of thinking of the year ahead, sort of recognized that if I wanted to do another Ironman, it probably wasn't the year to do it and do it better. Mm -hmm. Um And I'd always actually wanted to try some focusing a bit more on cycling. Um, so I thought, well, why don't we just say, like, if I can get to being able to run again, you know, sometime over the summer, that'd be great. But in the meantime, let me just get on a bike and enjoy it. And enjoy a little bit of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the recovery process was longer than it necessarily needed to be for a stress fracture, but it was sort of... What a stress fracture, yeah, but in terms of mental health was um, was the time that you needed for... Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was... Um, it meant that I got to... I think I got to about May, at which point I'd done a bit more bike racing, um, but I wasn't... I still wasn't really running. I think I was doing, you know, like a couple K a week, maybe. <laughs> um and a chance to do the Alp Duo short course triathlon came up and I was like, eh, whatever, let's just do that. That sounds like fun. I'll be out there anyway. Um, I was going on the TTH camp in the Alps and thought that that's a good goal to have. The run on that I think is 6K, 7K. Mm -hmm. So it's sort course, of like yeah. yeah, the short course. So you know, it's a doable distance. Um And that kind of actually kickstarted trying to run a bit more again. And then in September? In September, yep. I guess there's sort of, there are a lot of different things that have gone on in all this process. So basically, did outdo a short course, um, enjoyed it again. And I think, you know, thinking back to what I said before about the pressure thing, The short course, I had no pressure on me. We'd been out in the Alps for, I think, five days before that, six days before, training yeah, every days. day. It, it was clearly not going to be a race where you go in and you're you know, fresh and going to try to take it by storm. Um, that was one where my goal was simply finish. And I also hadn't told pretty much anyone that I was doing it. I think I just, just did it. Um, I mean, Alan knew, and so we knew that we were going for that but it wasn't like a yeah I had a big told goal. people yeah. um 
I think my mom didn't even know. And I normally tell her everything. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm doing a triathlon tomorrow. She's like, you're what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you're what? <laughs> um, so I, I enjoyed doing it that way because it was much more like just showing up and seeing what happens. Um, and it was just low, low key about it. And because of that, I thought, well, okay, so you know, I've done these halves before. I've done a full before. I think I might want to try that again. Um, and having talked to Alan a bit, he said, well, why don't you give give one a go before the end of the season? So I signed up for uh, 73 in Cash Case. Mm-hmm. And um, the training up until the start of the school year was good, consistent. As soon as the school year hit, suddenly I remembered what school is like. And um, it became much less consistent. Um, however, I had hit a point where, I guess at the beginning of the summer, so like June, I couldn't run more than three or four K at a time. Um, and obviously for half Ironman, you have to be able to run a half marathon, but I'd done enough focus on running and consistent running. Um, I think of all this, of all the things, that was the one thing that I just wouldn't let drop from my schedule up until then. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I got to Cash Case and ran a, I think, I think it might have been the best half marathon I'd run in a seventy point three. I remember it was a very good run for you in that day, and it was very, very hot in that day also. It was hot, and um, that course is not flat. <laughs> it's- Don't say that to to the to the listeners. They, they they don't need to know it. It's uh yeah, it's a quite it's actually it's a it was the hilliest half Ironman course I'd run. That's not to say I've run hilly courses, but it's it's up and down. Um, yeah. Oh, and yeah. the bike isn't flat either. There's a really nice flat section, but then you go into the hills. So, um, yeah, it was I, I was think- really pleased with that whole event, and I think it was the most relaxed I'd been going into. Uh, half Ironman ever and that actually played into played massively into my favor and it just meant again sort of what I'd said about the ones I've done before that I had confidence that I would finish so it was never that wasn't a question in my head and I knew what I was going to try to do I we'd planned it out I had you know target paces and target um power and got in and just did it and um yeah, it was I've turned into a really good race and sort of almost it sort of surprised me in some ways. And at the same time, it was like, well, of course I can just go do that, which is if we go back to the very beginning of the conversation for someone who said they were never going to do a half Ironman. How many have you done since then? It's uh, a complete turnaround. <laughs> You've been like four or five half Ironman since then and one Ironman race and short scores and up the ways. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, what you are doing now, Heather? Are you still doing triathlon or you are turning into cycling? So I um, took the decision about a month ago to completely focus on cycling. Um, the, the pandemic for me has been an interesting um, period. As I think we, I mentioned at the very beginning, I had just moved back to the U.S., my flight to the U.S. was March 4th, March 5th. Um, and when I arrived, I arrived in Houston. 
see my brother for a week and um, the first cases of COVID suddenly appeared. And then <laughs> I flew to Denver a week later and uh, the first cases of COVID there somehow appeared. Um, and I, had, I hadn't lined up a new job. Um, I'd been, I think, you know, Suffice it to say, I'm going through a late 20s crisis. Um, <laughs> I've spent, you know, what I actually said about triathlon and the trying to, and sport and the trying to um, figure out what I want to do and kind of develop my own path in sport has actually been something I've taken over from sport in, more into my life and trying to figure out um the direction that I want to take it without thinking about what I think other people might think I should do. <laughs> um, so there's been a long time where I've wanted to um, try to work in not-for-profit sport. Um, as my specific dream job would be something to do with helping girls um, get into sport sort of for confidence boosting um, and the kind of mental health benefits that everyone gets from sport but something I think that girls in particular could use more encouragement in um so I'd finally taken this decision that I would quit the job I had here which meant that I had to move back to the U.S. because of visa reasons and um just kind of go and see what I could find and try to start doing stuff um the great thing about that sort of role would be that, you know, I just need to go talk to lots of people and meet different people, which when there's a global pandemic where you can't go outside your house is a bit difficult to do. So <laughs> um, a couple months of that, of being in lockdown and um, I have a boyfriend who lives in England. So we've, uh, we realized that we actually really wanted to be together, which meant I've come back here. Um, mm -hmm. Makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. So that's the sort of life part of this. But in addition to the, in addition to sort of making those types of decisions during lockdown, I was doing a lot more running. Alan and I knew that if I wanted to take triathlon as far as I could, which was um, what I thought I wanted to be doing, that the running was something I, needed to improve pretty drastically and um running's always been a drag for me so during lockdown there was a lot more focus for me on basically just getting out and doing runs and being really consistent with it and on the plus side I've seen I had seen a huge benefit to that in my running but on the downside I kept sitting there thinking I'm not racing this summer because no one's racing really mm -hmm. and yeah, no racing, yeah. I'm sat here trying to figure out what it is I actually like about sport. What is it that I like doing? What do I actually want to get up and do on a daily basis? And the honest answer is I really can't be bothered to go swimming. Um, <laughs> and I'm starting to enjoy running because I've made myself do it, not because I innately enjoy running. running yeah. And every day that I don't get on my bike, I'm actually – um, sad that I'm not cycling. And if you gave me a day where I had a bike session, I pretty much wouldn't ever miss that. I would never find an, almost never find an excuse to miss that. But if you give me a day with a run session, I can find excuses to miss that. Um, and if we're talking about 
sort of going back to what actually it's not just motivates me but what I what I like which is kind of the whole reason I'm doing sport really because I like it um then I'm not sure why I'm not cycling <laughs> makes sense and um yeah so I had that I had those sort of thoughts going through my head um and I was talking to talk to a few people about it and then I had the discussion with Alan and sort of said, I think I'm heading in this, you know, thought space of I really actually just love cycling and I'd like to um I'd like to properly give it a go rather than sort of dip a toe in and then pull it right back out because it's scary and new. Um so that's the that's the direction I've decided to head. For those who don't know Heather, she's so good on cycling, um, especially coming downhill, that she was the only person who made me go to my maximum heart rate <laughs> coming downhill, not because I was afraid, but because I was pushing so hard, trying not to get dropped. <laughs> so just for you to have an idea, I reached 185 uh, in terms of heart rate coming down. <laughs> we usually go to those, you know, to those numbers where you're going up. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, well, we were just having a bit of a race, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, but I would never go so fast if I was going on my own. But uh, yeah, I think you're making a, a right move on that. <laughs> well, but, um, yeah, Heather. So you started doing triathlon in 2012. We are in 2020 now. What was the biggest lesson you took from all the process since then? Um. Oh. I guess I'm, well, I'm going to say two because I can. And they're the two that I've basically already said. Um, one of them is actually just trusting a process. Um, I know that's something that people throw around, but I have used the metaphor of training for a triathlon with a plan um, and then getting to it on the day and just doing what you said you'd do. Um, I've used that sort of actually when I was teaching, I use it to help students, but I've used it for myself as a kind of guiding principle or at least an idea. I think it's really hard sometimes when you're not quite sure what the end goal is, but um, which has been more the case for me recently, but the idea of just do what you said you're going to do, make a plan and execute it and you'll be fine on the day um, is really useful, not just in triathlon, but everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then that second thing of um, remembering that you're doing something for yourself rather than for what you think other people think you should be doing and letting that actually guide decisions more broadly, not just in sport, has been a really useful lesson for me. I agree with you. Heather, the conversation is long already. Thank you so much for joining the the podcast. I hope that those who are listening to us have learned something with Heather. Um, I hope to see you soon. Hope to see you soon too. So thank you so much. Thanks very much, Diego. Take care. Bye. The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder.
Thanks for listening.